0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au
1: Morning. Great to have you all with us and uh, welcome. Um, Thanks for coming out and uh, being a part of our gathering together in somewhat of a quieter season, we hope, maybe. Um, So we we conclude our series today, uh, God with us. Uh, What is it to know this Emmanuel, this God who has promised to be with us in all things and through all things? Um, And I guess the questions that I've had um, over the last few weeks or even as we conclude this series uh, is... Quite simply, a few questions. What have you learned about humanity? And as you read scripture, what do you learn about humanity? What do you learn about yourself as we engage with this story? You know, we've heard the story in different ways. We've heard the story uh, in the invitation from Dennis this morning. We've heard the story again um, from uh, Lockie over communion, and as we remember communion. And it's very easy just to participate in those things. Uh, But what what have you learned about yourself? And in the midst of that, what therefore do you learn about God and who he is? And if we answer those questions or respond to those questions what do we learn about humanity what do we learn about what's happening in our world and our community and the response that's taking place and therefore not even just about humanity what do we learn about the personal response I'm making or the personal way that I'm engaging with the world around us and therefore what does that mean and what does that look like for a God to respond in the midst of all that as well then we also have to ask the question What does it mean to know God personally in the midst of this in a way that shapes and informs the way that I engage and participate in community? Because one thing to know God personally, and indeed we are called to do that, but to know God personally is to participate with God in community. Which, you know, has its ups and downs, doesn't it? So as we've talked about God with us, uh, we've in, we, over the last few weeks we've invited a number of people to reflect on how they have known God with us. And today uh, we invited uh, Mike, Mick Baumer and Sandra McNee to uh, reflect on ways that they've experienced God with them.
2: G'day, my name's Michael Baumer, I'm married to Catherine. Uh, We have three kids, Noah, Eleanor, and Stella, and they're 11, 9, and six. Been at Horsham Church of Christ for uh, about 13 years, I think. Cat's probably one year up on me. Um, Moved up in about 2008. So I'm a carpenter during the day and partly at night. run my own small business, and I recently put an apprentice on as well. During the COVID dilemma, I find God's with me all the time. Um, All you have to do is look Um, Yeah, in whatever you're doing. um, I'm always reminded of God talking to me in various ways, whether that's on the job or on the way to the job or different people you meet. Um, Obviously, you meet a lot of different clients. Um, Everyone's got their own story, which is fascinating. And I think God's given me a bit of the gift of the gab, so I don't mind a chat. And yeah, I like talking to various people about their stories and it can often prompt um, their faith or their lack of faith, but doesn't really matter. But yeah, it just can end up being a really interesting chat which makes us both think about life. Last year, I had a mate of mine that I knew back when I was in the army, when I was 19, 20 years old. When I first met him, he was quite a rough sort of character. And we had some pretty heated sort of discussions about our different views of the world and different upbringings obviously come into that. And like I said before, he was quite opinionated, which is fine, Um, but I remember thinking at times, um, having chats with him while we were on training exercises or whatever, I really need help here God, like, please just give me the words to say because I was quite anxious about talking about my own faith. I'm not that sort of person to um, open up my feelings or um, personal things um, to strangers but I did feel like this is the beginning of something interesting. I didn't know what was to come of it but we did strike up a good relationship and it was out of respect for each other and I guess that's where the seeds were planted. So all, like coming forward to earlier this year, we had that relationship. And you have some friends that you may not talk to for a while. But he'd called me randomly and sort of stumped me. So I was again asking, God, I really need some help here. Just give me the right words. And I'd sort of picked up that he'd, he'd been drinking and... He, he seemed angry, but I guess it was just angry at the world and angry with things that are going on with government and whatnot. And God gave me the right words to say, I don't know exactly what it was, but at the time it was basically saying, mate, you gotta get off the grog and pull your head in, go and see some people down there that you can, like I'm pretty sure you can still go to church, so go find a church, have a chat, and keep in touch with me. And it was pretty blunt words and again perhaps maybe it was a pretty heavy watering of the seed so to speak Um, and then months later he called me and told me that he'd pulled his head in (laughs) and made a decision to um, follow Christ which was pretty cool just to see how the Holy Spirit works and um, yeah depending on the environment or the person I guess you can um, blend into what works for that person you don't necessarily have to have the same approach to every conversation. So I don't exactly read my Bible every day, or don't necessarily pray every day, but there's some days where you're on the job and perhaps your mind isn't as busy as any other day, and I find that God comes to me quietly in funny sort of ways. Um, For example, I might go to my tool trailer and grab a handful of nails, and I just feel this prompting grab an extra two nails, Roger that, God, and I do it, and then at the end of the day, I need two more nails, and there they are in my tool belt. Just little things like that, or driving to work, just get this sense that really have your wits about you, there's a car that's gonna come around the corner on the wrong side of the road, and it happened. Like, these moments happen all the time for me, Um, whether it's been on the fire ground with trees falling down and just, God telling me just to be extra aware of something and I don't necessarily say to the crews that I work with oh I think something bad's going to happen I might just feel as though God's just telling me oh just tell the driver to move the truck 20 meters back and then the power line fell down like (laughs) uh, to me it's amazing but I sort of feel like oh that's cool that's that's normal whereas to others it might come across as being um Amazing, But I just see God in every day, everything you do, like how I haven't cut my hands off or hurt myself really badly, I'm amazed. I feel like I'm a walking miracle, but I think that's just being at one with God, really, just Him speaking to you. So.
0: Hello out there. I'm Sandra McNee. I live in Horsham and I've got a wonderful husband, two grown-up daughters with wonderful husbands also, and four grandchildren. God with us looks like, for me, just like the most amazing God. Um, Many years ago, when I was a young adult, I tended to think of God as this very stern, distant father figure who I had to please by going to church every Sunday, reading my Bible every day, as my Sunday school teacher said, and being good, whatever good means. But fortunately, God shook me out of that um, thought quite literally because I was on a plane and it suddenly hit these giant air pockets and everybody went everywhere and I thought, my number is up. And I thought, suddenly thought, I've been in church all these years and I really don't know God. Does he exist? Is Christianity a lot of hocus pocus? And if he does exist, where am I going? Heaven or hell? So I'm no adrenaline junkie. So I was totally terrified. Obviously, the plane didn't crash and I lived to tell the tale. But um, around that time, as Simon pointed out recently, um, Chicken Little had a few followers and I think I was one because the planets were lining up and I was petrified. I got out of the plane, but now the jolly planets were lining up and they took a couple of years to line up. So in that time, I was very, very anxious. So one night in desperation, I called out to God. And I felt as though I was in this deep, slimy pit. And I said to God, I can't do it anymore. It's you or Valium. And uh, I said, if you're real, please show yourself to me. So I had the most incredible experience. I'm lying there in bed and this hand, I can see it as clear as day still, reached down and pulled me out of that pit. And I firmly believe that was the hand of Jesus. So what an amazing God who is always with us. Well, I now knew that God existed, but where was I going, heaven or hell? I think I firmly believed I had to earn my way to heaven. So there was a flurry of cakes and casseroles coming out of my kitchen, but then again, the question, how many cakes and casseroles are enough? So I called out to God again, being the drama queen, and I randomly opened my Bible, which I know you're not supposed to do in case it tells you to do something that's not really good, and you'll never guess where it opened to. All the pages in the Bible, of all the verses in the Bible, it opened to John fourteen one. Let This is Jesus talking. Let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. What a specific answer to prayer. Nothing airy-fairy. It just showed completely that God was with me and of all the millions and millions of people in the world it just affirmed for me that he knows what is going on in each of our lives he loves us and it's in real time so we just have an amazing god who is with us all the time one of the most precious ways that god shows that he is with me is through other people as i said before i have an amazing husband and family I have incredible friends and church family, KYB group and random people I run into and they wouldn't know that God is using them to show me that he is with me. They, um, their wisdom, their courage, their example, their kindness, their practical help, their cards, their texts, you name it. It's um, just I have just been so blessed. God has used them in amazing ways to uh, show me that he is with me. And just prayer support from people. Prayer is an amazing, amazing gift that we have. So we can do it personally, but also when people pray with us, for us and our situation, it just helps us to turn our eyes completely off our situation and to look to God and to know that He is God, that He is in control. Well, it sounds nice er, nice and rosy that God is always with me, but sometimes you have times when you think, Where is he? What's he doing? Is he with me? And this is where belonging to a KYB group or being with other people who can cheer you on. And the bottom line for me is just look at the cross. I mean, what an amazing Heavenly Father we have who sent his own son to the cross and sacrificed himself for each of us. So we do have a Heavenly Father who loves us, knows us, walks with us always, even though sometimes we don't feel it. And I just pray that you will also know his presence with you. How good
1: have they been? Uh, we hope that you've been encouraged by uh, those stories over the last few weeks. We're incredibly grateful to all those that have participated. And the diversity is just incredible. And I think just be, just be encouraged and reminded that um, it's not always the great, big, miraculous things. Uh, it's... Sometimes the small moments are the most powerful moments and the most memorable moments in that. Uh, Let's pray together and then we'll uh, get into an oversight and a flyover of Isaiah and what this looks like to encounter God with us. So Father, we want to do thank you and uh, honour you. We celebrate you. um, We're just incredibly grateful that we do have this freedom to come and gather in your name. And we know that we can take it for granted or it can become... A chore, whether that's reading the Bible or praying or sitting in quietness or gathering as a community, Father, in multiple expressions. Uh, Put within us over this season a a renewed heart for you and your people and for people who don't know you to uh, bear witness to the light that we carry, the light that we reflect through our lives. Um, as we open up the word today, Father, as we pursue and, and just fly over uh, some of uh, the words that you've spoken through uh, people in history, we, we want a, a new insight, we want a new revelation, Father, we want to encounter you, we want to know that you are with us. Father, for those who are watching online or gathered in this space and aren't sure, we want to pray for a spirit of uh, openness, a spirit of um, participation, a a willing spirit to know you and to encounter you and that you would speak uh, with, uh, with kindness and with grace and with mercy and with love into those who most desperately need you in this hour. Uh, we thank you, Father, we, we praise you for who you are, and the, we give you thanks for the witness and the testimony of those that we've seen over the last few weeks who are part of our community, but those who continue to write, their, have written their testimony in scriptures. May it speak powerfully uh, and in life-giving ways to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles open, you can open around halfway through your Bibles, perhaps just after halfway um, and you'll find Isaiah it's in the Old Testament the Hebrew Scriptures I'm just going to give uh, I guess a really quick flyover because I think it's important I could just jump straight to the verses but I think there's a bit happening that's important for us today before we get to uh, the text that I want us just to really soak in a little bit and invite you to soak in and reflect on because it's a familiar text to, to many of us who've been around the church for a long period of time. Um, so you can open up your Bibles or you Version as well. Isaiah, um, Isaiah is speaking into a nation in waiting. And he starts off by saying the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Judah is the or oh, is it the southern kingdom of Israel? Uh, Israel and Judah have been split in half by war and enemies and pride. All these people that have been blessed by God, been called out of slavery by God, become self-indulgent and all sorts of things. And so the kingdom that God established and calls out of slavery has been split. Um, and so this is a vision, and I, I want this um, mainly highlighted to recognize during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So over the course of four different kings, Isaiah spoke. Um, so this, it's significant because what, what we see here is this isn't just an airy-fairy kind of removed word. If you go and th- read through the history of Israel, if you uh, like that kind of thing but even if you don't like that kind of thing it's a fascinating read if you go read uh, Kings and Chronicles and even parts of Samuel Judges is the history of Israel and you can see how these stories of Isaiah speaking in speaks into the history of God's people as well so under King Uzziah one commentator said Uzziah was equal uh, or close to uh, King Solomon with his wealth with his power with his status so he'd been a successful king, someone who had led the nation well, led the nation into uh, abundance, had plenty. They were a military strength, they were a um, financial strength, a political strength. Okay, So this is the kind of environment they'd had. But the challenge here, as Isaiah is speaking into this community, despite God's blessing, despite God's provision and constant restoration, despite his constant restoration, all right, you'll see this cycle if you go read these um, historical events. That these people are called out of slavery. Uh, they go back into being oppressed because they disobey God. They ignore God because of ev- everything they achieve, of everything they have, of everything that they do, of everything that they can purchase. Sound familiar? The story is really not that old. Because it still happens today for you and I, for our community, for our world not to be miserable about it, Um, but despite God's blessings, in the midst of these blessings, because of these blessings in many ways that God has provided for them, his people lose their way. His people lose their way. And often it's because their leaders lose their way. Because their leaders don't lead with courage and with conviction. Um, so then he goes on, Isaiah goes on in uh, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owners, but Israel does not know. Imagine being compared to a donkey and an ox hey, a whole nation. You, you know, you're worse than a donkey and an ox because you don't know me, my people don't understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption, exclamation mark. They have forsaken the Lord, ignored the Lord. Um, They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. That's just the introduction. Merry Christmas. Do you feel all warm and gooey about this story? And sometimes this kind of uh, powerful statement, uh, it goes on that uh, it requires silence and it requires some waiting with some questions, something that we're not always very good at and probably even worse at in our current generation. To those who say, let God hurry, let him hasten his work so we may see it. The plan of the Holy One of Israel, let it approach, let it come into view so we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Here's a peak, you know, God, show yourself. As Sandra said, I've said, come on, God, do something. Show up. You've got to do something here, God. And often that means, well, if you don't do something, God, I'm going to do something about it. We're not always very good at waiting. So where will help come from? Who will bring about the renewal and the repentance? Who will bring about the restoration? And the question in the midst of this, Isaiah builds all up to this. And the question becomes, um, who will declare the goodness of God? And so for anyone who's been around the church or read through the prophecy of Isaiah, we see this as introductory and it gets to this point. In the the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the presence of God, Isaiah says, Woe to me, I have ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Isaiah personally takes responsibility and identifies himself with the people who refuse to acknowledge God. Who refuse to worship God with their hearts and with their lips. And he takes personal ownership of it, if you like. Notice the language here isn't we. Notice the language isn't here all you people. The language is I. This is who I am before God. If you want a starting place, know who we are before God. Know that we are not always the people who live in the fullness and the promise and the blessing of God. And we often get caught up in the circumstance of the world. And what I love about this is Isaiah doesn't point out to the rest of the world and say, you made me do this. He takes personal responsibility for a nation. Then one of the seraphim, or one of the uh, angels, I think that's right, isn't it? Uh, Flew to me with a live coal in his hand. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The freedom to participate in new life is a deeply personal and intimate encounter with God. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. What I love about this, um, this this is who I once was, this is who I am now, and this is my call. This is true for all of us. This is who I once was. This is who I am now because of God. And this is my call. Repentance, ladies and gentlemen, bears response. Repentance calls us to respond. Repentance invites response. And I think there is a sense where we have lost our way and I lose my way, where we. We love the idea of repentance. We love the idea of being forgiven. We want to sit around in the glory of the Lord forever. And the only way that we can do that is by responding and reflecting his light and being in his presence. As he stands in repentance, Isaiah becomes the one who proclaims a warning, but he also proclaims the hope and the promise of God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God with us. It's not all bells and whistles. It's not a great deal of fanfare about this. Remember, this is a proclamation in the midst of a nation that has turned itself upside down, the wrong way up. The Emmanuel, God with us, comes in the midst and is being promised in the midst of a land being waste, in the land and a nation being overtaken by their oppressors. The child enters into a world in rebellion to its creator. The child enters into a world in rebellion to its creator. When the world seems upside down, waiting for God seems counterintuitive. And yet that's the choice. These kings that Isaiah is speaking into were surrounded by great armies that threatened their destruction of Judah. And Isaiah starts off by saying, Will you trust God? Or will you go seek out another army who you think will be more powerful than all these other armies that are surrounding you against what God is inviting you to do and asking you to do? Will you go and pursue the ways of the world and therefore serve that instead of waiting patiently for God? In reality, the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, would rather be servants to nations who oppress them rather than wait on God. Are we any different today? Isaiah calls out. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. So an incredibly personal and meaningful declaration of faith. Whatever happens here, this is what I'm doing. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. And again, see that we are signs and symbols. In the midst of this madness, in the midst of this mayhem, in this midst of this upheaval, we remain signs and symbols. Man, I read, more, the older I get, the more I read the scripture, the more I see it's so relevant to the way that I live my life today. Who are the signs and the symbols in Horsham today? Who are the signs and the symbols for our nation And I, it's not about Isaiah pointing out to everybody else and saying, you need to lift the bar, raise the game. It's again, Isaiah taking personal responsibility. When some, and this is, I included this verse because I wanted us to understand just the challenges that they were facing and the invitations and the opportunities that they had before them. And again, you can see the relevance as you read this. Who do we pursue when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning? If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Where else do we hear the nature of light? Come on, that's it's not, I'm asking you, anyone. Where else do we hear the nature of light? No, 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 no. Think gospel. John, who is light? Jesus. Wasn't a trick question. I'm sorry. I know. Jesus comes as the light. Nevertheless, There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land—I mean—you can do a whole message around the nations. And I'm not very good at geography. If you love geography, go and look it up. Um, And the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations. He will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's that's incredible kind of language for someone who has not yet seen Jesus, isn't it? That's an incredible kind of hope. It's an incredible kind of promise. In the midst of this upheaval, in the midst of this distress, in the midst of this madness, mayhem, confusion, in the midst of government rule that seems upside down and has ignored everything about God, here is a man who stands up and says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned this isn't just a a future hope this is a present reality for a man who hasn't even yet seen Jesus and friends it's as simple as that that's the choice before us today It's a choice for us every day. We often spend a lot of time looking for what can save us or what will satisfy us. We look to the armies of great wealth, our rights, our way of life. We want to protect our way of life and our constitutional rights, the ways of the world. And that sounds a bit pithy to say it like that, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. The words of Isaiah still ring true. Despite our wealth, despite our security and comfort, with all the military strength, with all the military might and financial security, our world is in distress. I don't know say that to point the finger at anyone. It's just a reality. We can, don't have to look very far, do we? I don't think it's all miserable either, but our world is in distress. And into this comes the promise. Oh, sorry, I didn't need to say that. Um, A great light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of millions' defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Right, so there's the promise oppression will be broken, war will cease, anything that's used for war will be burned up. How? Why? For to us a child is born. To us. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. With the benefit of hindsight, with the benefit of history, we're able to read the fulfillment of Isaiah's words. The Christ child comes amongst us, the Christ child is born in a manger. The Christ child grows up and grows in stature and respect and wisdom with God and with humanity, even from a young child. The Christ child becomes a young man who works with his father and then at 30 goes into ministry after his baptism and the the spirit falls upon him, he's out into the wilderness and the, the Christ child becomes a man who goes and performs miracles and provides for people and sustains people and teaches people as one who has authority they haven't seen before. The Christ child becomes a man who dies on a cross so that the world would know a way of response that goes beyond financial security, military power, government rule, and authority. A man who dies on a cross so that the world would know the extent of God's love. A man who is raised to life so that the world would know that he is God's yes to the distress and the madness and the mayhem and the confusion of our world. And a text from so many thousands of years ago still invites us to consider how does this Christ shape and inform our lives? The one who came as light, not in power with wealth, not in power with status or political power or political nous or with military might but came in the form of a child so that we might know God with us where the world looks at power and craves power God reveals relationship and where are we turning where are we turning who or what is guiding our way Who has the clearest voice over our lives? Peace will not come through the battles of the mighty. Peace will not come through the financial resources that we have available to us or our medical skills and our ability to keep people alive. That's not where peace is found. Peace is found in the person of Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. He is peace. And because he is a person of peace, because he is peace, he is our wonderful counsellor, that is the one who guides and directs our paths. He is an everlasting father, not as an overbearing, dogmatic, distant father, but one who is deeply intimate, one who is deeply personal, and one who endures and is eternal. He is mighty God. For everything else that we will make God's, He far outweighs and supersedes anything else that our world will put before us as God. So how does knowing the Christ, God with us, Emmanuel, shape, influence and transform your life? I pray that knowing Christ would change the way, as our team comes up, thanks very much. I pray that that knowing Christ would change the way we respond to the darkness in this world. It would change the way that we um, bring light into um, instead of greed that we would see generosity, instead of oppression that we would see freedom, instead of fear that we would see hope, instead of injustice we would see things made right. Because I started with saying, woe to me, I'm a sinful man. Because I dared to have the courage to submit To a God who declared himself as the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the wonderful counsellor. Because I dared to follow his ways and I prayed that all of us might dare to follow his ways to know God with us. So that the world might also know God with us. I pray that knowing that Christ would shape, inform and transform our attitude to those who have been hurt and to those that we have hurt. I, know that knowing, I pray that knowing the Christ would transform the way that we view our marriages, our relationship with our children, our colleagues, our finances, our workplace, to those who we meet down the street and in our families who walk in darkness. I pray that as we know the Christ God with us, that others might also know God with them. And as we sing our closing song, and if you would like prayer or you want to make a declaration of faith, we want to invite you to simply do that. You might like to talk to someone that you know or come down the front and have a conversation with myself or ask for someone that we can put you in touch with. If you're online, just visit horsham.org.au and visit the contact page. We'd love to be in touch with you during this week. But in this building, in this room, there's opportunity for prayer, there's opportunity for conversation, there's opportunity for encouragement. May we be God with us with one another.